Good morning. How are we doing? <clears throat> this lovely day with no rain so far. Glad to see that. Uh, something fun happened this week. Hillary and I, uh, were, you know, we got baby Jack, who's two years old now, and Hillary is expecting not two, but just one kid. And uh, it, always competing with me, Graham. Always. <laughs> if it's not one thing. <clears throat> um, but also this past week, my cousin Kaylee came back to stay with us. She was here for a summer internship over the summer. You might remember her. Blonde girl plays the keys and sings. She'll be back up here soon. Uh, and her boyfriend moved out. They moved out from Florida. And they're here now. Kaylee's living with us. And so immediately now she's Jack's favorite. And we're just like, whatever, mom and dad. Where's Kaylee? Uh, but, um, but Zach is staying with another family in our church who just volunteered. So I, I tell you that because it's going to be fun. Zach's a great guitar player. You're going to see him up here a little bit. And, uh, and Kaylee's great too. But also because it's just another way that our church is generous. It's just another way that you can be generous, that you can serve, that you can come alongside, that you can help uh, opening up a room because we have interns uh, or just creative things like that. I was meeting with someone else, a different couple yesterday, and they had this vision for having a young adult house in Huntington Beach, and maybe one in Long Beach as well. A house with just single young adults, a guy's house and a girl's house, and that they would come in and they would just mentor these people, and that they would just do like two dinners a week uh, or, a, or a dinner and a breakfast and just kind of be in their life and let them be together because there's just so many single adults in our church and in our community and to provide some kind of ongoing community. So that's what we like. That's what I like to hear. Just bring the ideas Bring the ideas, and there's ways that you can meet needs and play a part in what God's doing here that you haven't even thought of yet. So be open to those things. We're continuing in our series, The Pursuit of Happiness, this morning. And um, today, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about what it looks like to talk to God. And prayer can be a weird deal, I know. Prayer can be a weird deal. It doesn't matter if you've been following God for four months four days, 40 years, prayer is mysterious. And you probably fall into one of these four categories in terms of how you think about prayer. Number one, maybe talking to God is strange, right? Talking to an invisible God is strange. There are people in this room that feel that way, and that is okay. I get it. Number two, maybe you think, I used to talk to God, but now not so much. Like I had this time in my life, this season of my life where I talked to him all the time and I prayed all the time and I was like, something was there. We were, there was a little bit more of a connection thing. I haven't felt that in a while. Maybe it was because I went through some pain and I didn't feel like he did anything about it. Maybe it's because I prayed, prayed, prayed for like this one thing and he didn't answer it. Or, or maybe it's just because of other circumstances, right? But that's, maybe you're in that camp. Or a third category would be, I try to talk to God, but I'm not sure it's working. You know, like I'm engaged right now. I, I pray, you know, maybe I journal. Maybe, maybe when I'm driving, I whisper some prayers, but I'm not sure that they're working. Like I'm not seeing the things happen yet, or I'm not feeling anything yet, and I just don't know. That's okay. Or maybe the last category, I talk to God constantly like he's my best friend. I was talking with Hillary yesterday about these categories, and she goes, you know what, I think for the first time in, maybe in my life in this last couple of years, I'm, I'm in that fourth category, just talking to him all the time. Like we're but I still, I still kind of drift into the third category, where like, is this working? Is this thing on? You know, like, what, 
do you hear me? Is, is this making sense? Am I praying for the right things? Right? There's, there's confusion about that. And it's okay because, look at we've all been at some time in each of those categories. So we, we can relate. We're all on, on the same page here. Now, there's some more issues for some of you. Maybe you're asking some questions about prayer already in your head or you have in the past. I'm not going to be able to adequately answer all of your questions. Just know that. Like, I get it. I know it. There's questions that you have that I can't answer, uh, but I wanted to just talk about three real quick just to get us onto a level playing field before we jump into the real, to the real meat of the message. The first question might be for you, does God pay attention to my little life? Does God pay attention to my little life? He's this big God of the universe, right, that created everyone in here, that supposedly puts breath in all of our lungs and has a plan for our lives and all this stuff. Does he care about my little thing that I'm going through? This issue that I'm having at work, the sickness that I have, this relational trouble that I'm having, does he care? Jesus said in Matthew 10, what's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But I tell you, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without the Father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. The very hairs on your head are numbered. For some of you, that's much easier than, than for others of us. <laughs> but he cares about the details. He cares about the minutia of your life. He knows. If he knows how many hairs are on your head, he knows everything about you and everything that's going on, what you're right in the middle of right here, right now, the worries, concerns, fears, hopes for the future, he gets it. He knows. Or maybe you ask this question, what's my responsibility and what's God's responsibility? Like, I don't even know if I should pray about that because is that, is that for God or am I just supposed to do that, right? Should I just say, God, you know, get me through college and get me a job and then go play Xbox? You know, like, God, do you, do you do that stuff? I'm lazy. Or should I just like act, 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 and do, 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 and, and never even talk to God and realize that everything is ultimately in his hands. What's my responsibility and what's God's responsibility? There's a mystery to it. Look at what the Philippians 2 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So it's both. There's a both and. God is working and he's working through you. So as you participate in it, he's working through you. And then there's some big, huge things that you just have absolutely no control of that he's just going to have to do. We've all had that. Maybe you're right in the middle of that. I'm right in the middle of that in my life. He just has to do this. So I pray for that. But then I do my part. Like I, I, keep, I keep going forward. I keep trying. I keep praying. I keep believing. It, it's, it's a both and. There's this mysterious role that we play in God doing what God can only do. And it's okay that it's a mystery. The famous St. Augustine, maybe he's not famous to you, <laughs> but, but maybe you've heard of St. Augustine. He says this, Pray as though everything depended on God and work as though everything depended on you. To both and. When you pray, God, this is all about you. You have to do this. And then you get up from your knees and you get to work and you trust that he is working it out at the same time. Or the last question here, how do you know something was God and not just luck or hard work or the universe? How do you know that that was God? 
come on, you're giving God credit for that, that but that could have just been whatever, right? Look at what James says. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. In other words, if it's a good gift, it's a God gift. If there's anything good that's in your life, it's from him. He's the source of all good things. He's the gift giver. If it's good, it's from God, and you can thank him for it. So I tell you these things, not because I pretend to have all the answers to all questions about prayer by any means, but because I wanted to get us on kind of a general playing field so that we can jump in here. So that we can look at the most famous prayer ever prayed that Jesus says is kind of our model for prayer. And then we can look at it through maybe different lenses. If we can stack hands on the three things that we just talked about and say, okay, now here we go. Here's how Jesus says then that we can talk to this God of the universe who cares about us personally, who's working with us. This is how we can talk to this giver of good Gifts. This is the Lord's Prayer it's referred to, and some of you think that you know it. Some of you haven't memorized. Some of you grew up with it, having it on your wall, like stitched into some quilt or, 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 or you know, in Catholic school, and you had to memorize it for fear of punishment or whatever it is, and you think that you know this Lord's Prayer. I'm intentionally going to read it to you in a, in a translation that you're not familiar with, because I don't want you to think that you know it. I want you to hear it in a fresh way today. I want you to not think that you know what's coming, but I want you to pay attention and just see if God speaks to you. And for some of you who are not familiar with this prayer, and this is all new to you, God is definitely going to speak to you about what it looks like to talk to him, that we have access to this God. And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do when it comes to prayer. He's talking, he's teaching to these people who are similar to us, and they're kind of like on a hill and he's been talking to him. If you've missed the last messages in this series, you can listen to him online or on iTunes. And he's talking to people like us, and he's saying, this is what life is all about. You want to live life to the full? You want to maximize the life that God has given you? Here's what it's all about. And now he launches in, you want to talk to God? Here's what it looks like. When you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. For they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So he's talking to people like us, and there's some religious leaders and some people in the mix, and the religious leaders have probably kind of like laughed or they're hiding because he famously just challenges these religious people, right? He calls people hypocrites. He says, you guys are just trying to look the part. You're trying to pretend that you're spiritual and religious and you got your act together, but you're faking it. He calls them hypocrites, which the word in that time meant stage actors. You're pretending. You're just pretending. You're putting on this facade. You want people to think this of you, but it's not true. And in doing so, you make other people feel like they're less than. You make other people feel like they're not as close to God as you, that you have some kind of specialness, and you don't. You're a faker. So don't pray like the fakers, he's saying. Don't pray just for public approval. Have you ever been around somebody and you're like sitting in a restaurant and you're starving and they go like launch into this seven-minute prayer? And you're like... <laughs> Are you kidding me? Really? I have a buddy who, when that happens, he goes, he just like says it out loud. He goes, get right with Jesus on your own time. Let's eat. 
Like, like this is your prayer for the month of February or something? Like, come on, let's just, let's just do this. I have, uh, I have a friend, his name's Rick. I actually had him speak here like a couple of years ago. Maybe you remember when Rick spoke. He's a pastor up in Washington, very funny. And he's constantly trying to challenge his family and his church and his friends to not get so stuck in religious ways of thinking. We just do this because we've always done this or whatever. And so what he did is he, one year he said, family, this year we're no longer praying at, at meals in our house. And his kids are like, what? You're a pastor. What's wrong with you? This is crazy. He goes, nope. Instead, we're praying over the groceries. So we bring in the groceries, we put them on the table, and we pray that God would bless all of these groceries, and then we're covered for every meal. <laughs> Just to shake it up and make sure that people aren't getting too religious and formulaic in how they talk to God. Because we have a tendency, and they did when, in Jesus' day when he was talking to these people, we have a tendency to make this about that. You know, we, we tend to make prayer about something else. And we think God intended it for this, but we've made it about that. And we've made it about a show or feeling better about ourselves or kind of some kind of ritual that makes us feel more spiritual. And Jesus is saying, you've made it about that. It's actually about this. He goes on in verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Literally in Jesus' day, the pagans or the people that weren't a part of kind of the, the Jewish culture of religion, they would, they would pray to their deity and they would just babble on. They would babble on. They would just like babble, 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 talk, 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 talk. And they would try to convince, they would try to convince their deity, whatever it was, uh, to appease them, to do whatever that they were trying to convince him to do or she, her to do because they were using descriptions and because it was like a filibuster, they just kept talking and talking. We'll wear it down. We'll wear it down. Eventually, he's going to give us what we want. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to do that. That's ridiculous. In fact, before you even think it or speak it, God already knows what you want and what you need. Isn't that, doesn't that feel good, actually? Isn't that encouraging to know that this God of the universe already knows you? Like he knows you that well. Before you even thought about something that you think you need, he's already got it at the tip of his tongue. He's, he's, he's already on it. Some of us are so desperate to be known. We're, we're, we're looking, we're searching, we're trying to, we're finding human connections wherever we, we just want to be known. Your heavenly father knows you better than you know you to the extent that before you even think about something that you want, he gets it. He's on it. He understands it. He's with you. He knows you. For me, when I went through my quarter-life crisis like, like nine years ago, uh, I went through a divorce, and it just turned my world upside down, and I was like, really? Divorce? Me? This? This is happening right now? And I didn't know what to do with my life. I didn't know where I was going with my life, but one thing I decided to do was make a list. Is of, if I get married again, my wife needs to, this needs to be true, because you know, I already blew up this relationship, and this didn't work, and I've learned some things, and so this time, she needs to be like this, da, 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 da. and I had like literal checkboxes, okay? Some of you have these lists. I know you do. 
I asked the last service and one brave person raised their hands. I was like, you liars. I'm not even going to ask you, but I know some of you have lists. They, they need to have this and they need to look like that and they need to be from here and they need to like these kinds of things, must like dogs and must, whatever, whatever the list is, I had it. And when I met Hillary, my now incredible wife, uh, I was slightly disturbed to realize that she didn't check all the boxes on my list. For instance, and I got prior approval to share this, so don't panic. <laughs> for instance, I couldn't check the box for neatness and organization. But I went ahead and married her anyway. And what I have discovered is that Hillary's genius for being present right in the moment, connecting with the person that she's with, being full of joy and passion and love for this actual human being is even more important than my tendency toward wanting things to be neat and organized. I learned that a little bit of mess is okay in my life. She's not a slob, but a little bit of mess is okay in my life because she's teaching me about what it is to be present and to enjoy the moment, and that's how she's wired. Does she try to get a little bit more? Absolutely, and I love that, and cleanliness is, is good and important, but God knew more. He knew that helping me not take myself and those kinds of things so seriously was what I needed, that it's good for my soul. And that's how I coach and talk to young adults that are thinking about getting married or they're dating. I just, I just tell them, you think that you have this list. There's only a couple of things that are really, really important. And then after that, you need to be with someone who's good for your soul, who just breathes life into your soul and it is what you need. And there's going to be little irritations and things about spare socks that are just everywhere. And you're like, really? What is happening? <laughs> But at the end of the day, what she has, what she brings, is just so much better for my soul that it's, it's not even close. It's so, it's so worth it. And your God, your heavenly Father, knows you like that. And he knows what you really need. He knows you better than you know you. And so Jesus continues and he says, so here's how you're going to pray. When you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name always be kept holy. Notice just two quick things. One, he says, address this God as Father. This God of the universe that we're talking about, this one who keeps the earth spinning, this one who keeps life sustained and breath in your lungs, you get to talk to him intimately and say, Dad. Dad. The one who gave you life. The one who knows everything about you the one who knows what you want before you even know it, you get to call him dad. Then he says at the same time, as he's intimate and personal and he's like, you're just talking to your dad, maybe, maybe the dad you never had, maybe the dad that your, your, you know, your real dad just wasn't there or checked out or whatever, wasn't perfect. Well, this dad, he compensates for that, this dad. And as you talk to him like dad, you can also realize that he is holy, that his name is set apart, that holy literally means set apart, that his name, this God, is different than other names. It's different than names that we're familiar with like Bono or Oprah or Obama or LeBron or whatever the thing is. Different than those names, this name, this God is set apart. This God is above 
all of those kinds of names and, and people. And you get to call him dad. He goes on, may your kingdom come and what you want be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Now this is a big shift. This is a dramatic shift because I naturally, my gravitational pull is simply to know, want, and ask for my kingdom stuff. What I want. And you too, your natural impulse is, I want what I want, I'm going to ask for that. And Jesus is saying, not that that's a bad thing, but start, first, start with an acknowledgement of, I want what you want to be done first. Ultimately, God, if you're the God of this big universe who created my life, I actually want what you want. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom be come. Let this be about your kingdom, not just my kingdom. I mean, I'm going to ask for some stuff, but ultimately I want this to be about you. I want my prayers to start with you and not with me. And then he says, verse 11, give us the food that we need for each day. What Jesus is literally talking about here, he's talking more about spiritual food than he is about bread and beef, right? It's less about the, the bread and beef that we eat. It's more about spiritual food. He's saying that we receive everything we have from him. We receive from him. And that we actually need to receive from him. We need to. It's what we, we need what he has to give, what he has to offer. We need to receive from him every day. So, if you have milk delivered to your house, congratulations, that's the best way to go. If you have milk delivered to your house, you go out, you get the milk, you pour it for yourself, you drink, and you think, God, thank you that I have food to sustain me for today, that there's stuff that I can eat, that I can drink. Thank you for this. But what I really know is that I need you to sustain me today. Whatever your morning routine is, if you have coffee, if you grab a bagel and throw some cream cheese or butter or you know, peanut butter on or something like that, or grab a granola bar as you're running out the house, or whatever you do, say, God, thank you for this. This is nice. This is tasty. But what I know, what I really need today is you. I need you to sustain me. I need you. If you're feeling dry, if you're feeling detached, if you're feeling disconnected, if you're feeling desperate, it might be because you're not relying on him to sustain you day by day. And Jesus is reminding us, your food comes from him. Your food comes from him. Your food comes from him. And it doesn't come in a can. Your food comes from him. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Now, Jesus is really clear that there is an inseparable connection between our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. We've already talked about it in this series where he says, if there's something wrong between you and someone else and you can fix it and you can ask for forgiveness and you can do something about it to make it right, you need to go and do that and then come and let's talk. But you can't pretend that you're all good and well, da, 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 when you know that you have left a trail of just brokenness behind you that you're not doing anything about. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And if there's something that you can do 
that you can talk with, that you can get reconciliation, that you need to ask forgiveness of someone, you do that. And there's some kind of mysterious connection between our connection with each other and our connection with him. Verse 13, and do not cause us to be tempted, but save us from the evil one. We have this tendency, don't we, to dabble with darkness? Like in one or two areas of our life, there's, there's something for all of us where it's just like, we know this isn't good, but we kind of we toe the line a little bit. Or sometimes we just jump in and then jump back out and pretend. And, and we, we, we kind of, we're, we're there. And Jesus is saying, you're not strong enough. Ask God to keep you from temptation. Get away from that edge. You can't handle it. It's a reminder, Jesus says, that you need his strength. You can't rely on your own and dabble in darkness. Ask God to keep you away from all that kind of crap. And then the last line, the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours forever. Not mine, yours forever. Amen. You know what the word amen literally means? It means let it be so. That's all it means. It's just an affirmation. Whatever I just prayed or whatever we just sang or whatever I just saw or whatever I'm agreeing with other people, I just say, let it be so. Let that be so. God, you do your thing. Let that, let that happen. That's good. That's what I want. I'm in. Let it be so. As I get older, as I have gone through life, my prayers get shorter and shorter and simpler and simpler. I think that the most profound things in life are the simplest things. And I find that as I pray, I just get more along the lines of, amen whatever, do what you're doing. I'm in, I'm in for that. And so if I, if I, for me, I shorten this prayer. Some of you can't even remember your own social security number, so this might help you. But, but if I could, if I even reduce this, this Lord's prayer that he gives us as a model, if you just wanted like a little pocket-sized version of it to just crank out all the time, uh, this might be a framework for it. I, I think of it like this. God, wow. Right? I mean, that's encompassing, just like, you're big, you're crazy, I don't even get it, just wow. <clears throat> Thank you for everything. Like, I'll list some stuff right here that I'm particularly thankful for today, but like, thank you for everything. I recognize that you're the giver of every good gift. Thank you. And then, I trust you. Amen. If you just prayed that the rest of your life, you'd be in good shape. Because that's what, that's what Jesus is getting at. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to be your source? Do you trust him to forgive somebody else? Do you trust him with your daily connection? Do you trust him? Do you trust him? Will you trust him? Jesus is, uh, is our ultimate example not only giving us this prayer to pray, but showing us what it looks like to really trust God the Father. When he walked on this earth, he marched himself to a cross where he would be brutally killed to pay for all of our sins. And before he, on the night before he made his way that direction, he sat with a bunch of people, he sat with some disciples, people just like us, and he said, I want you to follow this example because I don't want to go down this road, but I want to do what, what the Father wants me to do. Here's, here's literally what he says in a prayer. He says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. 
Not, not what I want, but your will ultimately be done. And the interesting thing about a cup is it's referred to in Scripture to kind of, it kind of encapsulates your life. Like whatever is in your life is in your cup. Whatever is coming for you is your, your destiny is in your cup. Whatever your future is, the path you're on is kind of your cup. And Jesus is saying, I don't think I want this life. I don't think I want this path. I don't think I want this destiny. Is there any other way that we can do this? And you've been there, and I've been there. Really, this is my life? This is what you want me to do? This is the direction you want me to go? This, is, this cancer is in my story? Divorce is in my story? Bankruptcy is in my story? Wherever you find yourself, really, this is this? But not my will. Your will be done. I trust you. And so instead of just talking about prayer, I wanted us to have like a physical, tangible way to mark our time together. And so we're going to take communion. And our elders are going to pass. You guys can go ahead and start. You're going to pass a cracker and juice. And if you would just grab these and hold them for a moment, this represents Jesus sitting at a table with his disciples and saying, hey, I want you to routinely do this. And I want you to remember me as you do this. We only do this periodically, every couple of months or something like that here, because it's actually best done in your home with some friends, your life group or something like that. That's like, that's the ideal way to do it. But we do it here to celebrate all together and remember all together. The example of Jesus who taught us what it means to trust our God. So take the cracker, take the cup, hold them, and I'll be right back. So when Jesus was sitting around a table with his disciples, he said, when you, when you take this bread, break it and remember that this was my body broken for you, that I chose to trust the Father to go through incredible pain for your benefit, that it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily my will to have to march down this path, but I trust him and there's a bigger story. And in so doing, I'm setting an example for you that you can trust the bigger story that God is telling to. So if you have the bread or the cracker, you can go ahead and take it at this time. And then he said, this, this wine or this juice, when you pour it, when you drink it, think of it as, as my blood literally poured out for you. That anyone, anyone who simply just receives my forgiveness has it that you have it, that you're forgiven, that you're made right with God because of this blood poured out for you, because I chose to trust my heavenly Father and go through this for your sake. So when you drink this, remember me. Remember that you're forgiven and remember that you can trust this good God. Go ahead and drink.